0: Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Attract Hypersonics and hosted by me, James Gedd and Paul Rogers. A warm welcome if it's your first time listening. We put a lot of time and effort into bringing you amazing guests and great content all for free. Help us keep it that way. Uh, let other people in your network know about us so we get more listeners. Share our posts on LinkedIn and Twitter. And also please do rate the show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you do listen. It really does help boost our visibility. So let's uh, set up our, our next uh, episode and then to our guests. So we're talking to a very cool um, e-commerce retailer today and their agency partner, um, Asket, and we're talking about e-commerce technology stack evolution and a headless journey on Centra. Um, we're going to cover things like why headless is the right approach, systems landscape, selecting front ends, introducing him and new tech in a sensible way and approaches to data management. So really interesting episode. So let's introduce our guest first. So first we've got Vida for Asket. Um, Vida, welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: Very good, thanks. Nice
0: to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We met and listened to both of you recently at a Centre event in London, and we were really impressed by how well articulated the technology journey and vision was, Uh, hence why we invited you to come on. So do you want to give people a... um, Some people will know the brand, some people won't. Do you want to give people an introduction to who you are, what you do, and also uh, what is Asket? So,
1: so... As yes, uh, head of tech here at Asket. And Asket is a um, menswear and womenswear fashion retail brand uh, selling directly to consumer, but primarily via our e-commerce channel. Uh, and now we also do have two stores uh, in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, and our main uh, sort of mission is to create uh, timeless essentials uh, and qualitative, qualitative essentials. Uh, that will withstand the test of time uh, and reduce the uh, sort of uh, impact of fast fashion uh, for a more sustainable future.
0: Amazing, thanks. Also warm welcome, Jonathan. How are you?
2: I'm also very good, thanks. Uh, I'm also excited to be part of this uh, podcast.
0: Yeah, we've timed it well because I know you're about to disappear off on a, a well-earned uh, vacation in July, so... Thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, uh, do you want to give people an introduction uh, and like, maybe also help explain the relationship between um, your agency and Ascot?
2: Uh Yeah, so um, my name is Jonathan and I'm a co-founder of a Swedish e-commerce agency called Made People. We've been around for, uh, I mean, I think around 40 years and we've been always highly focused on both tech and design and UX within e-commerce uh, so, like, we've always been very hecked, uh, sorry, tech, sorry, tech-heavy in our uh, our productions, and so uh, we do primarily uh, fashion and uh, direct-to-consumer um, projects, uh, so Askeet is a very good fit for us. And uh, Askeet has always, has also since, since the beginning been like they've challenged us. Uh, before Vida was part of Askeet, uh, we were challenged by the two founders or. Uh, of uskip of and their ideas, which had a very very clear goal, but the road to that goal was kind of complex, which we thought was a very very fun challenge. Uh, so we took this challenge and tried to make like the best of it. And I guess that's also why we're here today and why we will probably talk a little bit more about headless and you know why that has been such an
3: enablement to you know, journey for uh, for Great, and um, that takes me nicely onto the first question, which is for you, Jonathan. Um, so you've worked on lots of Centra projects, probably one of the more experienced agencies, um, and I'd imagine you've worked with other platforms as well over the 14 years you've been kind of servicing e-commerce brands. Um, what? Why did you kind of choose Centra? Why Why do you like working with it? How, and why does it kind of fit your agency?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, so... Before Centrum, before Headless, and uh, before trying out many different platforms, we did a lot of Magento. And Magento was, you know, they were the, the right choice for a long time because it was a feature-complete, one of these uh, products. Um, but we noticed that, you know, new things were happening. Centra started to gain ground. And we realized that uh, all, the, all the projects we did in, Magento was essentially backend projects. And we want to focus more on, you know, backend should be backend and frontend should be all about the experience and and you know the end user. And for editors to be inspired when they work with their e-commerce. Uh so we started to explore. <clears throat> we did a little bit of Commerce Tools, Shopify, and Centra. And Centra just like fit really well because they spawned from the type of clients we work with we've always done scandinavian fashion who sell globally massive central's platform is like constructed from the ground up for that purpose it makes a lot of sense for us uh initially uh me being a developer for 25 years i wanted to have the ultimate you know cto dream um so we did try a few different other solutions but there was too much tech and too little business value in the end for our type of client. we need to do or build too many integrations from scratch, um, you know, common payment solutions, uh, ERP integrations, and, and so on. Where uh, Centra already had good partnerships with various vendors. So it made a lot of sense for us to try to focus on the purpose of an agency, which is to fill fill the gaps, like create the things that does not exist yet. Um, and also, the people over Centra, uh, we kind of hit it off with them. We're the same type of people. So it made sense, it uh, like created a great uh, relationship, essentially.
3: That makes sense. James and I were on a train journey together on Monday. We were saying a similar thing about the people at Centra. Couldn't they? Um, yeah, everyone seems quite similar. Very nice. Nice to work with. Um, Jen makes a difference. Um, and then, Bidar, so moving on to you. Uh, so it sounds like you might not have been with Asket, um, Asket at the start, but it, why do you think it was that kind of they went down the route of uh headless and kind of your the way that you've approached the kind of underlying architecture of the build
1: yeah sure so so SK as a company was founded in twenty fifteen and we did the uh, the switch to uh central with made people in twenty nineteen uh and I joined the company uh just about that time. Um I think that one of the main drivers was uh essentially just being able to to be ready to scale uh, our business, and to be able to scale our, our user experience. Um, Asked is a lot about um, the product experience and uh, enabling sort of a very rich content experience on our, our e-commerce, um, being a, a, an e-commerce-driven brand. So to be able to sort of empower that vision uh, and to reach that goal, um, I think that the combination of Storyblock and Centra, uh, being sort of our core systems, uh, together with Made People was uh, a match made in heaven that, uh, yeah, really enables us to create, um, product stories, um, easily. Um, and as Jonathan said to, to make sure that the, the front end stays as a front end, uh, and acts as a more creative side of things while still having a, a stable backend uh, driven by by the APIs of Centra uh, to ensure uh, stable order placement and, and such functions. Attract your complete product discovery growth engine. Create relevant shopping experiences that convert into sales and grow online revenue with personalized search, merchandising and recommendation solutions powered by AI. Find out more at attract.com
0: question for you Jonathan so when we uh, when we' were at the center event we were both impressed by the, the I'm going to use the word elegance of the overall technology stack it seemed well thought through not overly complicated not packed full with lots of systems with complex integrations it seemed quite clean and and well structured I'd love you to talk people through how did you get to the current setup in terms of what what's sitting around central? like what was the decision process to decide what you needed in addition to Centra, to, to satisfy the business um, requirements.
2: A very good question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think for us, uh, we've been a small agency for a long time. Uh, we're still small one, but we were only like four or five people for for uh, nine years. Uh, we're thirty now, so it's like still small, but a bigger agency. But what I'm What I mean by that is that we've always uh, had kind of big clients with very specific requirements. And it's been extremely important for us to kind of reduce those requirements to the actual business value and try to help guide our clients the right way. Uh, Because you can, as an agency, take on many different um, new tasks and projects uh, and not really question them. Uh, so I think that's been a way for us to kind of <laughs> sandpaper our way through uh, a neat uh, or a lean stack. So the, the parts we have in there and how we have integrated them is really kind of just like to the point. We always try to think about the future as well, but we, don't, we try our best not to introduce many unnecessary uh, parts of it. And even though the ASCII stack is maybe the most complicated one we have, I still think, and I agree with what you say, that it's it is, it is kind of elegant because like, I really can't like there's nothing that feels unnecessary in there. And when it comes to the how we build the integrations between the systems, uh, it's also we try to build them in a way that we enable the various uh, you know systems that uh, we source together, and we do a like we always do this together like when we're coming we will probably talk more about the PIM but the PIM project we were very involved in that trying to source the right one both when it comes to making it fit great and greatly into a uh, headless world but also something that with our knowledge of of how a usually functions and also uh, how they function normally like in the future after we've integrated something those parts together I just think it's about trying to boil everything down into what really matters and the real business value, and kind of take it from there.
0: And a, a question for you, Vida. A lot of time when we talk, when, when people talk about headless, um, a, a concern is well, we've got to build out a really big internal team to make this work. We need loads of extra technology resources. I'd love to know like, what does your technical setup look like in house. Like what roles do you have in house versus you know. Uh, obviously you've got um Jonathan and the team at made people as well um and has that changed since you've gone headless?
1: yeah so um from from the start uh, it was mainly you know made people that was uh, responsible for setting up the whole architecture uh making sure that the systems are working, and uh you know getting us up to speed with how to actually work in our uh our story block cms um so from the start uh i would say that we were pretty uh, you know heavily uh dependent on, on many people being the sort of a uh, technical owner um, but as time goes by we have been taking more and more ownership uh, both in terms of uh, the technology side of things uh, where i have been taking uh some of the responsibilities when it comes to integrations uh, making sure that the systems are, are working well. Um, but I would say that the, the biggest area where we uh, in-house sort of the tech responsibility is within, uh, or within the, the, the realm of data. Um, so within the landscape project, we are working a lot with our uh, different data flows, uh, as well as our CDP, uh, which is segment. Uh, so during 2020, we implemented a segment into our stack, um, which is then our core platform for, uh, all of our tracking needs, as well as our integrations downstream towards, uh, ad platforms, um, different, uh, products, uh, sort of feeds, uh, and so on. Uh, and within the segment and the CDP, we have, uh, internal rows. Uh, such as uh, a growth manager, a paid ad specialist, uh, who then work within these platforms, house. Uh, I think it's really uh, this is really key um, because this has enabled us to become much more data efficient. Um, so we're able to work with our our data in uh, in the raw form uh, within Snowflake, our data warehouse, um, and also uh, to funnel this data into uh, the BI tool. This tableau that we're using today, um, and I can talk a lot about tableau and, and how that has changed our um, sort of our way of doing analytics at Askit, um, and I think it's it's been proven to be really useful that uh, you know we get ownership over our data uh, and can work with it ourselves, whereas made people supports us in this journey to, to become more data driven. Um, we yeah
3: we know uh, and, and can work with the data ourselves that makes sense. We'll come on to that a bit more later on. Um, so staying with you, Vida, so I, as I mentioned when we met at the event, I thought we were content um, and kind of storytelling and the way that you structure some of the core templates on your site is really impressive, and I've been using it as an example for like four years. It's always been a real step of the in the brand. Um, and obviously, Century doesn't have a front-end, and you've kind of built out your own front-end stack. Uh, you've mentioned block. Storyblo- a couple of times, but can you talk us through that stack and kind of how you're managing all of that content?
1: Sure. So yes, as you mentioned, um, we're using Storyblok as our CMS, and uh, this is then where we build all of our stories, all the different pages. Uh, and here, uh, many people have been um, super, you know, nifty in the way that we um, we have created. Uh, we call it like market selectors uh, or like product selectors, which essentially is just that we feed the different market-specific data and products from Centra and make them available to, uh, to work with within uh, Storyblock. So we can sort of view dynamic content from Centra into Storyblock, and then we can uh, merchandise it or like drag and drop the different products and, and market information within a store block to then in the end view, uh, localized and, uh, um, sort of, uh, not personalized, but, uh, market specific data, um, within, uh, front end. Um, I think this sort of, um, this feedback loop of information, um, uh, works really well. And, uh, it, it makes it easier for us to, to not have to do a lot of, like, um, and, uh, Sort of hard code of things within StoryBox, that we instead can do um, sort of market specific containers uh, based on the markets that come from Centra uh, from automatically in StoryBox. It's a bit of a, a complex uh, sort of um, explanation um, without any, uh, any visualization, but uh, um, yeah, I think block is just a, such a um, open and still. Visual editor uh, that we can do basically all the different uh, stories that we have today. Uh, and then I just want to add, so uh, quite recently um, we then um, also pursued the theme project, uh, which I just yeah, want to mention that um, maintaining all of our product information uh, so we can obviously do that, we can store them. But we sort of realized that our ambition and our the, the sheer volume of the different data points that we are measuring and uh, displaying on our products did, you know, after a couple of years, just became too, uh, too much and too uh, didn't scale well with uh, with the amount of uh, the products that we're releasing and the products that we are maintaining over the years, um, because we have a promise that we, as a brand, we want to present the you know, the full um, supply chain of all of our garments, which we call full visibility, showing everything from where the garment is spun, where the cotton comes from, uh, and where the, where the fabric is cut. Uh, so, so, so know. Um And I mean, in order to manage all of this information, we then realized that, yeah, we need team uh, to be able to, to structure and store this data, which is then where we... Uh, where we
0: chose Hypersonics helps e-commerce companies make more profit every day. This AI-driven platform delivers recommendations for pricing and inventory that lead to bigger profits. Visit hypersonics.ai forward slash podcast to get a free trial.
3: That makes sense, and we'll, we'll come on to that again later on a bit more on kind of how you built that out and implemented it. Um, Jonathan, can you talk us through a bit more on kind of why story block, I think, you know, we've heard a lot about, and I've been impressed with in the past, and, you know, that could be part of it, but can you just talk us through kind of how you built out that front end stack, why you made the decisions on the different vendors, uh, and how you kind of governed and, you know, remained performant at the same time? Yeah. So um uh, uh, yeah. I think
2: it's it definitely comes down to being strict about high impact requirements. For instance, we did the uh, we did benchmark a few different headless CMSs. Uh we had a, we had you know, like I mean Storebook having the mission editor wasn't actually a requirement, but it quickly became one because it's so nice, right? But another requirement we had was that it should be easy to to uh, that Reader was talking about to get uh, data from external uh, databases and sources and vendors into Storybook to build to build content that relates to stuff outside of the CMS, like products, markets, uh, I don't know, news of subscription lists, segments, uh, A-B test variations, I don't know, all of these different things. And with the Storyblock, it was very easy to do that. So with other CMSs, it was more a matter of syncing and... Uh, when you think it's you kind of cut a bit of creativity from from the editorial part because you want stuff to be direct especially if you make a change in a in a separate uh, system like an e platform and you add a lot of bunch of categories then you want to like instantly build content using those categories in the cms you don't want to wait half an hour and then build them it kind of chops it up and makes your e-com organization I don't know, you feed these separate silos, even if that's not what you want, just because of how the stack is built. So we wanted to have direct, direct feedback uh, in the CMS, because that's where you do majority of the work, or the work that relates directly to uh, the consumer. Uh, <clears throat> so that was important. Um, and then when it comes to making things perform... Uh, we found that the only way for us to create a stack that performs with an like an like an average high performance is to mirror all the data, to mirror all the data and then query, query our cache uh, of that data. So separately, mirror the central data and mirror the the storebook data, and then build that out to pages, uh, because then we can own URLs and then we can have fast dynamic data without having uh, like long rendering times of, of you know the static static approach where you render something. Essentially, I mean, static is static generation is just cache. Uh, so it's just pre-generated cache um, that takes a long time to render if you have the global first setup where you need to sell to the entire world on different languages, privacy campaigns and whatever. So we mirrored the data and uh, this was just like, how we built it then. So it's like a it's like a 15 minute just mirror. So there are no direct calls to Centra for instance, except when there's cart and order, uh, it flows. Uh, so then we can have something that performs so we can create very rich content that update quickly, uh, which is what our clients want. Uh, so it's, it was mostly about that. I think you can, as long as you have that approach, You make it easy for clients to understand because you have a context. Uh, It's easy to get the context of what something is when the updates are more or less instant. Uh, So uh, that, and then when it comes to the front-end tech, I mean, we're trying to create like a a dynamic static experience. Um, And then you need, I I don't think it matters so much what front-end tool you use. We used to do Vue and Nuxt, never really liked that. Now we're doing uh, React and Remix, and that's better. So, I mean, we can still achieve the same thing. That's more like a matter of preference and taste.
0: And you, you were you were talking quite passionately about the avoiding syncing, constant syncing between systems at the event, and you've mentioned it again today, and you talked about data mirroring. For those who don't really mm. get that or haven't, been, haven't done that, could you give me more clarification, like, what what is data mirroring and how do you handle it like what what tools are you using to, to get these data mirrors set up so that you you reduce the number of times you have to do like live querying yeah i mean
2: this i'm mirroring it is a sync. i mean that what, what i what i mean is i i think that the data should be where the front end lives which is essentially what the agency where the agency does its work uh i don't believe in uh and this is also the way that we built uh the PIM integration. I mean, if you build a PIM, PIM integration, then you can say, okay, let us sync all of the data into the ecom platform because that's the one we query for products. Like you, you could have that approach, but it creates a lot of limitations uh, for how when, how you work inside the PIM. For instance, uh, Askit, would need to we need to uh, let us know every time they add a new attribute, make a change in an attribute, because we would need to write code to get that into the platform. And make sure that it ends up there correctly maybe the econ platform doesn't even support the structure that uh, the the PIM uses maybe we need to cut corners and make some make something that's really good in the PIM world not as good just because we have to put it into a separate uh, platform but if we mirror everything as is into where we uh, live in the front end or the back end for front end that is easy for us to just say like, when we pull in the data we can do whatever we want with it because now we are in the business logic world of Askia we're in the business logic world of Centra or of Storyblock. block so that we can work much much more freely and act quicker and also we and also we don't have to say no to Askia <laughs> and once or you know, plan plan uh, sprints of attributes and stuff so yeah that's more what it's about so i don't know if that was clear if it's like they
0: were too complex. Yeah, yeah, no, that's un- understood. Thank you. Um, and Vidar, I I also, I, I like the explanation you gave at the event around the, the process of introducing Akinio to minimize how much effort from an integration point of view. So I've got a couple of questions. Is, uh, how did you approach putting the PIM in once you've made the decision? And what made Akinio the right fit? You know, while there's, Were there specific capabilities? Because there's a lot of PIMs in the market. Kino is clearly a market leader, but also it does have a high license fee than some, some alternatives. So I'd love to hear that. How you went about putting it in and then what, what drew you to Akinio?
1: Sure. So I think there were a couple of drivers for for that choice. Um, one obvious one being that, uh, you know, we're looking for a sort of a software as a service, uh, not, a, you know, an all premise solution. Um, which they uh, for the support. Um, and also technical uh, technical point which is that they, they both have you know sort of the standard aesthetic uh, very, very API for just fetching their products and entities, but also the event driven uh, API uh, where we can then consume events on changes. Uh, speaking about these things, as Jonathan mentioned, um, we also like uh, when the information is being up-to-date and we're really striving to, to not having to wait, uh, you know, for hourly cron jobs or uh, daily cron jobs. Um, so we're utilizing the event-driven uh, approach where you know updates to the events uh, and then uh, syncs towards this context. That um, so the technical capabilities of Akinio are very strong. Uh, but then also, when it comes down to it, uh, it's a lot also about the so actual interface, uh, which our end users state, uh, are working with. So it's the product team, the marketing team, uh, the operations team. Yeah. They all tend to to enrich uh, different products in different ways. And we, uh, after testing the different uh, vendors out, we felt Vimeo has a very strong about um, right, a UI, when it comes to like um, storing drafts of changes, and then sending these drafts to an approver um, for like the uh, stage data process. And this works really well in our um, in our workflow internally, where we um, we are constantly uh, you know changing information, but we want to make sure that these changes are. Revised, uh, double-checked, uh, and uh, you know, don't have any, uh, yeah, any uh, misunderstandings or misalignments. Uh, this just uh, fits really well into our sort of perfectionistic um,
3: data and uh, product. Great, and um, I guess just continuing on with some of some of that. Um... Across the business, like what are some of the improvements you've seen from like a process and data quality perspective as a result of implementing Akinya?
1: Yeah, uh, I think ensuring, sort of, as I mentioned, the data quality on our product pages uh, has been a challenge previously. Uh, and that can you know, examples of that can just be that uh, ensuring that the uh, the meta titles are uh, of a certain length or that the uh, the color or um, uh, the different uh, sort of structure that use, introduce given on a specific format uh, and stuff like that. Um, so I think those were some quick wins uh, that we could get uh, once the PIM was integrated, uh, just ensuring the, the quality of the data. Um, yeah. I
2: think that's about it yeah and just just like just as a, as, a, as an add-on to that does uh, mean the move from storybook to PIM. Uh, mm-hmm. and we went with storebook in the beginning to just work extremely freely with any type of data added to the products but the uh, cms being like so free ultimately you want to you want data to be strict uh, <laughs> so that was like <laughs> So, yeah, so that was why moving to a PIM was a very good uh, thing to
1: do. Yeah, I think in a way, um, mm-hmm. like starting out uh, using the CMS approach and in this very free landscape, it was really good for, for our creativity and to sort of um, just envision the, the full story of what, uh, what story we wanted to tell to our customers. But then, you know, looking at uh, how we then could manage this uh, in higher volume at a higher scale then the PIM became uh, the, the sort of appropriate solution for us but mm-hmm. going from storybook still I think was a good it was a good area to be in because we were um you know very um, we could become very creative and uh, there was no there was no idea that was uh you know <laughs> never have I heard from many people that you know this this is not possible uh, when it comes to to what information we show on our project pages which is great
3: that makes sense we had um we had another guest on uh maybe two or three weeks ago uh tim from the bottle club and he's uh relatively recently implemented a um mm-hmm. talking about like, the real benefit they've seen is one like the reporting side sort of understanding the quality of their data and then as jonathan kind of alluded to some of the validation and approval stuff as well um but yeah it's made a big difference to them as well um Vida, so you mentioned a little bit earlier about Tableau and kind of the combination of Tableau and segment as part of your kind of reporting stack. Um, can you just kind of talk us through, particularly Tableau, kind of how you're using that as kind of like a I guess like it sounds like a master for kind of business reporting, like some of the sources of data you're pulling in and yeah, how the business is kind of benefiting from it?
1: Yeah, sure. So um off, I would just like to say that, um, you know, that we, we obviously do um, all of the conventional uh, you know, analytics and conventional reporting, uh, you know, looking at the sales data and so on. Um, but we're also working a lot with uh, really trying to optimize our, our uh, the whole balance sheet in our organization. So, looking also at the you know, returns in uh, and try to really find different ways to to optimize return rates, uh, increase customer satisfaction and so on. So when we were uh, looking at like uh, the whole analytics and data platform, we wanted to to build something that not just supported uh, those conventional reports, but where we have the freedom to, to create you know, whichever data data and reports that we want them. And the solution to that is to um, essentially just uh, create a data warehouse first, uh, which we're uh, we're using Snowflake uh, just to store different types of data. Um, And uh, within Snowflake, our data warehouse, uh, we simply just add on or we've done all of our different data sources. So it's both, you know, all of our sales from Centra uh, that we're dumping in on an event-driven basis. Um, Also, as I mentioned previously, from our CDP uh, segment, where all of our user interactions are being recorded, uh, as well as, um, like, our product data and stock data over time. Um, All of this being fed into the data warehouse, it's an opportunity for us to, to do sort of joins between tables that were previously you know, thought about. Um, so we can do quite complex and interesting um, cross-system uh, analysis. Um, and all of that is happening within Tableau. Um, so we're then reading the data into Tableau, where I then uh, create sort of a data model, including the data. And then make this data available to the organization, where they are free to, you know, slice and dice and join, uh, sales data with, uh, like stock availability data, it's very inside, uh, insightful uh, things.
2: And uh, also, just a uh, thing to mention on the on the data stuff, uh, we also mm-hmm. have this uh, anonymized user ID that uh, we control, that we so that we can uh kind of connect user journeys uh depending on where they have been which i think is a very cool uh thing also in the entire data
1: world yeah yeah because, uh, because obviously you know the the user email has been the sort of unique key uh, or unique value that we we can try and join the different uh, data sets on but um Emails change over time, and, uh, you know, customers uh, sometimes don't always provide an email. Um, so I think this anonymous uh, user ID uh, enables us to, to not only uh, unify a customer across several emails, but also um, to actually stitch anonymous data uh, from different platforms together it was not previously possible since we didn't have the email so yeah there are some really cool wins and all of those wins are in effect from the the segment cdp um so it's a really cool product uh, and it's enabled us to to really unify all of our different data sources
0: yeah that that flows on nicely because i wanted to ask you about segment because it's 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 a powerful cdp it's got lots of functionality um what what are you focused on using? Like which which parts of the business are using it the most, and for what reasons?
1: I think the primary the primary usage was for our paid ads uh, to to scale and uh, integrate different ads platforms uh, without having you know, made people. Uh, they can simply build one integration towards segment. So tracking all of our different events, such as order complete, order returned, product clicked, product viewed, and so on. Um, and then once they have integrated segment, segment then takes care of the integration with uh, Meta, with uh, Google Ads, with uh, Bing, and so on, um, without having a people to create uh, and write, you know, additional tracking calls. Uh, I think that is a huge win uh, for, you know, the scalability of my of technical platform um, to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the code is not loaded with uh, a lot of uh, various tracking calls uh, and to maintain them. Um, so just, yeah, it's it as, as an integrator or... A, um, for all integrations when it comes to to events. Um, I would say that in uh, recent years, we've been discovering the whole um, uh, personas within segment, which is essentially, you know, now that we have all of this nice data, um, we then aggregate the different uh, metrics. So we create more sophisticated uh, CLV predictions and calculations. Uh, as well as, um, you know, trying to understand what are the most sought after and, and looked for items for a specific customer segment. Um, then we then create these audiences, which is essentially a collection of customers. Mm-hmm. We can then push those to our CRM, for example, with further estimation. So, this is essentially just being smarter with the way we're working with our data. I think, it, which I think during times like uh, uh, economic recession um, or downturn, um, it's sort of a more profitable and, and cheaper way of um, yeah, driving um, um, valuable um, the communication
0: doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money from platforms yeah that a uh, nice no, nice example of how to use it thanks um, and i have got a final question for you jonathan uh because you know you said it, uh, earlier on about you know, centra and being a good fit not just from a technology but also i guess business culture and outlook i'd love to know what most excites you about Centra and where it's headed with its product strategy and what's coming up in the roadmap
2: off oh, yeah um i don't know how much i can say about it like when we recently had a meeting with them about these things and uh what i what i feel like is um they are expanding like ways for developers to work with the the more internal parts of of centra uh kind of to extend it in ways that were previously closed um modifying i like i don't know how much i can say like i said but uh for me as a developer gaining even more possibilities uh, as an opt-in. Not like I don't need to do the extra things but more options are available and it feels like uh, what what they are moving on with is really uh, features and uh, enhancements that I sometimes get asked about uh, from our clients so them being more of a like they are a fashion uh, DTC Backlog-driven product, essentially. And uh, I think that really shows. Obviously, they need to balance out the the maintenance part of, of, of having a healthy platform. But uh, the parts to have coming up, I think, really makes sense. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun to see their most recent roadmap and see what they have planned. <laughs>
0: Mm. That was a suitably um diplomatic answer without giving too much away. <laughs> Super diplomatic <laughs> yeah, I know. I so, know. Um, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting. Me and Paul have talked about this a lot. The, we're seeing the interest in Centra is rising in the UK because obviously it's got a very strong her- heritage in Scandinavia, but um the ecosystem's not as mature in the UK, but there's definitely more interest. So I'm intrigued to see where they where they go next to the the international multi channel mm-hmm. stuff is definitely interesting. Um, well thanks that's been really interesting I've really enjoyed you being able to like um, share with our listeners having listened to your your um, story at that event around you know tech selection especially around like Storyblock um, uh, Akinio uh, Segment etc so really interesting hopefully people have got some, some good insights um, to take away from this um, so I appreciate you taking the time gents to come on the podcast yeah, thanks for having us Um, And also thanks everyone who listened as always. we hope you enjoyed it too. Do keep an ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. And don't forget to give us that rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you might be listening or or watching the video. Take care, everybody. Until next time. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.